Hey, it's Cody Woodard, pastor of Renovation Church in Gallatin, Tennessee. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast today. I hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, give somebody a hug, a high five, or a kiss. Don't kiss somebody you don't know. It's weird. Don't be kissing people you don't know. <laughs> Man, well, thank you so much for, uh, for being here. I'm going to get set up. I just want to say a special welcome to all of our first-time guests. Y'all make, y'all make some noise for our first-time guests in the room today. We are so honored that you would spend a Sunday with us. Um, however you got here, whether you saw something on Facebook or somebody invited you or promised you lunch and manipulated you to get here, whoever promised them lunch, make sure you buy them lunch. Um, but thank you so much for being here. And uh, if I haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, my name's Cody Woodard. I'm the lead pastor here. And um, man, we're just honored. And I don't know if you know this, but um, this is a place where you can belong before you believe. And so you don't have to come up in here with all of your stuff together. Um, you can have some questions. You can have some doubts. That's it's okay. Some, this is a safe place for you to process. We're just glad that you would, you would spend it with us. And uh, we are only, we're less than three months old as a church, and we've already seen God do some amazing things. Have we not? Come on. Every week we've seen people come to Jesus, and um, people sign up to get baptized and join groups and all kinds of stuff. And, and so we're in the middle, though, of a series called We Can't Stop. And it comes from a passage in Acts chapter 4 and verse 20 where they say that we can't stop telling and sharing about everything that we have seen and heard. And that's kind of been our phrase for the year. And so last, last week we kicked off this series, We Can't Stop. And really it's around this idea that at the front of every year, you and I, we tend to make New Year's resolutions. We tend to pick a word for the year. And our tendency is what we do is we look back on last year, we remember our failures, and then we set new resolutions based on our failures. And one of the things that God impressed on my heart with this series is I really do believe you're doing better than you think you are. And uh, you may not remember all the good that you've done or the moments you had in 2019. But here's what I really do believe. I believe the key to your growth um, is that if you would begin to do consistently the good you've done occasionally. That you would do consistently the good you've done occasionally. Growth doesn't always have to happen by starting something new or stopping something old but maybe thinking back to some things maybe that God is saying, you know what, you can't stop. You can't stop loving people. You can't stop putting your family first. And maybe that's not like consistent in your life, um, but maybe there were times over this past year where you said, you know, I, there were some moments I did really well. And maybe that's the thing God's going, hey, I want to press in on that, and I want you to begin to figure out how can you do that consistently, that which you've done occasionally. And so uh, today, the title of my message, it's only fitting. I don't know if I'll ever name another sermon this title, but turn to your neighbor and tell them two words, tighten up. Turn to your other neighbor, tell them, tighten up, tighten up. I promise you it's going to make sense eventually, but man, I'm so proud of our Titans. God, thank you for allowing our Titans to win so everybody's happy in church today. We are, uh, we are definitely a Titans church, but I want to I read to you. Uh, from John chapter 5 today. We are, at the beginning of this year, one of the things we do every year, I started it last year when we announced we were launching this church, was we do something called prayer, 21 days of prayer. And we've done a 21-day challenge where for many of you this past week, you read through the book of John or you read a chapter a day. And so what I want to do today is I don't want you to just read through it and me not teach on it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach today from John chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. I'm reading from the NIV version. You can read from whatever version you want, if you'd like. 
But uh, John chapter 5, if you're willing and you're ready and you're, you got your Bible ready, say yeah. yeah. That's not enough. If you're ready, say yeah. yeah. There we go. John chapter 5, I'm going to read it to you starting in verse 1. We'll go through verse 9. It says this. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed, the addicted, the greedy, the gossip. I could keep going and find you if I wanted to, but I won't because I'm in there. And then we're going to go to verse 5 because it skips verse 4. Do you notice that? Not because I left it out, but if you're looking at your Bible right now, verse 4 is not in there. I'll explain a little bit reason why maybe a little later. But let's go to verse 5. It says this. One who was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? It's a good question, isn't it? I mean, you think about it in this situation. Here's been a man who's an invalid for 38 years. It's an interesting question because you would assume that when Jesus asked this question that his answer would be, well, of course. He says, do you want to get well? That's the question I have for you today. Do you want to get well? Now, why would Jesus ask this man this question? I mean, he's been... This way for 38 years, of course, you'd want to get well. I think it has to do a little bit with something that sometimes you can go to somewhere and you can show up consistently in a place of change, but never be changed. You can, you can show up and it always amazes me, right? Like how, how sometimes we can, we can come into a place like this, a house of prayer. We can come into a place of worship where life change can happen. We believe God can heal and you can show up consistently, but how many of you know that just because you come to church consistently don't mean you're going to leave changed? That you can come up in here and have no expectation of ever being any different. It reminds me of a, it reminds me of a couple of years ago. I started working out at, uh, at the, the best gym, Planet Fitness. Come on, somebody. And... Uh, and even though I was an athlete growing up, I really didn't spend a lot of time working out. I was just playing ball all the time. I was kind of like a wiry kid. I couldn't really gain a lot of weight. So like, even though I may have known maybe the basics of working out, I didn't really know how to gain weight. I didn't really know how to gain muscle. I'm still trying to figure that out. But I go into the gym, and there's this guy there. And if you work out there, you're going to know who he is, and he doesn't mind me using his name. But there's a guy there by the name of Chip, all right? And I walk in, and I've been there a couple weeks at this point, and I see Chip. And Chip is like one of them them swole dudes, you know what I'm talking about? Maybe had a little extra help, you know, <laughs> a little juice. And uh, I walked up to him and, and I said, Chip, I got a question for you, man. He said, what's that? I said, man, how did I get swole like you? And he kind of laughed. He said, steroids. And I was like, well, shut up, Chip. I was like, how did, how did you really, how'd you, how'd you get big? And he said, well, hard work, diet, and consistency. I said, that's good advice. I said, consistency. He said, yeah. I said, well, let me ask you this then. You see that guy over there? He looked over. He said, yeah. I said, I've been coming for a couple of weeks, and that guy is always in here. He's in here before you. He's in here after me. He's in here more than both of us combined. And he goes, what's your point? I said, here's the problem. 
He's in here more consistently than both of us, but he looks nothing like you. He said, I know. I said, why is that? He said, you left out the first two, hard work and diet. He said, he don't come in here to work out. He comes in here to socialize. He don't come to get no gains. He comes to get girls. He's a creeper, you know? He ain't ain't about no change. He don't want to get better. And we can come into a place like this consistently. And we're like, I won't change. I won't change. See, there's a, there's a pool near the Sheep Gate called Bethesda. And at the pool, there were a great number of people there with, with all kinds of different issues. I don't know if you know this. Let me tell you a secret. Did you know something about the people on your row? They got issues. Turn to the person next to them and tell them, you got issues. You may tell you another one. So do you. And so do I. And so here at the pool of Bethesda, there's a people there with a great number of issues. And there's the man who had been an invalid for 38 years. And Jesus asked him that question. And that's just the question I want you to ask today. Do you want to get well? Do you, do you come into a place like this with an expectation that God is going to do something powerful in your life and that healing can actually take place and that you can actually grow in your relationship with him? Do you want to get well? Do you want to get better? Not, not do you want to feel better. Because you can walk in a place like this and feel real good but look the same when you walk out. But do you want to get, do you want to get better? Now, watch his response. says this, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Now, let me... Um, let me kind of explain what he's talking about here. As I mentioned before, as we were reading this passage, you'll notice if you read this week or you have a Bible with you, you'll notice that verse 4 isn't there. Now, I'm not going to take a lot of time to maybe explain why. I'm just going to make it real simple for you. Verse 4, what it talks about in verse 4 is that from time, it says this. It says, from time to time, an angel would come down from heaven and would stir the water. And when the water was stirred, the first one in got healed from whatever they had. Okay? So verse 4 says... The reason verse 4 isn't in the Bible, and they could pull it out, if you have an ESV, NIV, NLT, NASB, whatever version you got, unless you have the King James, come on, or you have the New King James, um, it's not in there. And the reason why is because when they began in the 1900s to, to look at this, um, to look at the, the translations and they looked at the documents, what they discovered was is that verse 4 was probably a footnote from the editor as it got passed down from generation. Now, that doesn't mean that the word of God can't be trusted or anything like that. It just simply means this, they, this wasn't in the original manuscript from the studies they found. And so there was no like theological issue at hand here. And so it's not like a huge deal that it may be in some of the older translations. But they pulled it out because it wasn't in the original translation. Make sense? So they pull verse 4 out, but that's the context of what he's talking about. And he says, he says that, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. So while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Now here's one of the things I learned, that change begins where excuses end. Now, nothing the man said was untrue. He really didn't have anyone to help him down into the pool where they believed at the time that healing happened. 
he really, he really couldn't get down if that was the case and there was an angel that stirred or that was the belief they had then, that if that really was, like they, he, couldn't, he couldn't do it because of who he was, his condition. And so that Jesus says this to him. He says, then Jesus said to him, get up, shout get up, pick up your mat and walk. And once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. And, and so today, I think one of the things you can learn from this lesson in John 5 is that the man believed that if he could just simply get to the water, he could get healed. But what Jesus is trying to help him understand is that it ain't about you getting to the water. It's about the water getting to you. Why? Because in John chapter 4, as you read before, Jesus refers to himself as the living water. And so relationship with God, religion is get yourself here in order to get healed. Relationship, grace is saying, no, 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 you don't have to get there. I'm coming to you. This is the gospel, that you don't have to earn your salvation, earn your healing, earn your way to God, but therefore God comes down and he comes to you. And so Jesus heals the man, he gets up and he walks and so what I want to talk to you today, and, and I'm just going to assume that when I ask you the question, do you want to get well? I'm just going to assume that you do. And if you don't, I want to urge you that maybe today is the day that God can do something miraculous in your, in your life. But I think there's some things that you and I have to do in order maybe to take some steps. Last week I talked about how the key to growth is remaining connected to the source. It's by remaining in Jesus. But then what does that actually look like? How do we remain in God? Well, for us, we have to make some decisions that help us grow and help us stay connected to the vine. We got to toil the soil. Okay. And so what I want to do is I want to, I want to talk to you about a couple of things that I don't believe you can stop this year that will help you move forward in your relationship with God. Four habits, if you want to call them that. And see, here's the thing about the habits, right? That we make our habits or our habits make us. That Aristotle said that we are the sum total of what we do. But the problem is, is a lot of us have uphill hopes, but downhill habits. We have uphill hopes of God, like, I, I hope one day that I can be a better person. I hope one day that I'll have a better marriage. I hope one day that I really will get rid of this addiction. I hope one day, and so we have these uphill hopes of I want to be there one day, but the problem is, is you have downhill habits going in the opposite direction. And so what will happen over time is maybe why some of you last week, and I'm, now listen, I don't know why you didn't answer this question well, but it kind of shocked me. I said, how many of you made New Year's resolutions? And like eight people raised their hand out of hundreds. Now, I don't know why. Maybe you just didn't get to it yet, you know? Or maybe, maybe for you, it's like, you know, I'm not really kind of into that thing. Or maybe for some of us, the reason why, because of some of our downhill habits, we don't believe we can actually change. And so why, if I don't set any goals, I never can fail any. But you'll also never change. And so we have these uphill hopes, but downhill habits. And we start to believe that we can't get better. That we can't, we can't change. That there's, there's too much from my past. That I've tried to fight this addiction and break this off for years. That there's just, 
There's no going back in my marriage. There's no hope. There's too much water under the bridge. Can I just give you two words? This is just, if you miss everything else I say, write this down. Two words. God's word to you today. You may have a lot of issues. You may have a lot of water under the bridge. You may have circumstances you want to change. Here's the two words. But God. But God. See, in John chapter 4, there's this amazing story as I was reading this week. And it just it shook me a little bit differently because John has this encounter with this woman at the well. And his disciples had gone and they went to buy some food. And Jesus walks over to the well to get something to drink and he meets a Samaritan woman there. And he strikes up a conversation with her. And he says, hey, will you give me something to drink? And she asks him a question. She's like, why are you, a Jewish man, talking to me, a Samaritan woman? So you need to understand some context here. Back then, Jews and Samaritans did not associate. Samaritans were half-breeds. They, they wanted nothing to do. So there was a racial barrier there. And then there was also a gender barrier there because men didn't talk to women in public. And what Jesus did was instead of succumbing to the cultural barriers, he broke them down. And I just wonder if there's anybody in the room that says, I'm not going to bow down to the barriers culture sets. I'll break them down because that's what God calls me to do. So he breaks down the culture barrier and he says, no, 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 I'm not worried about all that. I'm not worried about what they got to say. I'm not worried about all that. What I want to know is, is, can I have something to drink? And she goes, well, Sir, I don't, have a, I don't have a bucket to draw with. Now, essentially what he says in this, and he doesn't say this exactly, but here's what he says. He says, you don't need a bucket when you're talking to the well. Meaning Jesus says, I am the living water. And he says, go call your husband. And she says, sir, I have no husband. He says, you're right, you've had five husbands. And the man you're with now, number six, he ain't your husband and you're living and shacking up with him. Verse 10 says this, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Let me just say this, if you only knew who you were talking to, you may have a lot in your past, you may feel like there's no hope, but if you only knew the grace of God, if you only knew the God who sees further than you can see, if you only knew the God who is going, I want to set you free, that you are not a slave to your sin, that you can be set free and you can be a son and a daughter of me. If you only knew the grace of God, you would believe that anything is possible with Jesus. And so point number one, we can't stop having hope for the future. We can't stop having hope for the future. The verse that you're pretty familiar with because it's on every coffee mug and bumper sticker if you're a Christian. Jeremiah 29 11 says what? It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. You can't stop having hope for the future because we have a God who says that I am with you and I am for you. And even though you don't understand it, even though you feel like all hope is lost, you can't stop having hope for the future. Amen? Here's number two. We can't stop repenting from our past. Now, 
I know that word repent kind of has a, a negative connotation to it in culture today. It kind of rubs maybe some of you wrong when I say that word. But repent literally just means to turn. It means to turn the other way. All right? And, and so I, I love this illustration that I heard. Maybe for some of you, if you've been around anyone who has went through maybe an addiction program or maybe you've been through an addiction program, this little story illustration I'm going to teach you um, is taught there, but really it's applicable to all of us. And uh, it's called this. It's called My Life in Five Chapters. Write these down. Chapter one, I went out for a walk one day and I fell into a deep, dark hole and it took me a long time to get out. Chapter one. Chapter two, I went out for a walk today and I fell into the same hole and it took a long time to get out. It's chapter two. Chapter three. I went out for a walk today, and this time I saw the hole, and I got a little bit too close, so I slipped in. And it took a long time to get out. Chapter 4. This time I went for a walk today, and I saw the hole, but instead I walked around it. Chapter 5. I went for a walk today, but you know what? Today I decided to go down a different road because I'm tired of walking down roads with a bunch of holes that I keep falling into. That's chapter five. Now here's the problem with some of us. We continue to live in chapters one through four. We continue to struggle. We continue to, to, to fall into the same deep, dark hole over and over and over and over. And what God's asking you to do today is he's saying, I want you to go in a different direction. I want you to take a different road. That's what repentance looks like. And it's like some of you go, well, what's wrong with chapter four? <laughs> he didn't fall in the hole. He walked around the hole. What's wrong with it? Here's what's wrong with it. Because you don't go, life, go through life alone. And the road that you're walking down, I bet you you got some friends down there too. And the problem with chapter four is as you continue to walk, I bet you the people you've been hanging out with probably fell in the hole. And you know what you're wanting to do? Get them out. So you fall right back in. Some of you are going, man, that, that'll preach. And that's what happens, right? And some of us need to stop getting caught up in chapter four of going, well, I don't really struggle with it no more, but I'm still going to hang around the people that do. You'll go right back to chapter three. Chapter five, repentance looks like, you know what? I'm going to go down a different road. I'm going to change directions. I'm not going down that road no more. And for some of you, that's what God's calling you to do today. Is that you have to have hope for your future in Jesus so that you can repent from your past, so that you can turn away and go down a new path for your life. That you can't stop having hope and you can't stop turning away from your past. Let me give you number three. We can't stop prioritizing our lives. Now, some of you are like, well, why didn't you put that number one? <laughs> we can't stop prioritizing our lives. I, put it, I didn't put it at number one because if I just tell you to, to prioritize your life, you'll hear what I say but don't know how to apply it to your life. So I wanted to make sure you understood that in order to, to do what I'm about to tell you to do and, and walk through this with me, you're going to first have to have hope for your future and you're going to have to turn from your past. But you can't stop prioritizing your life. I really do believe this past year there were some moments you had where um, your priorities were in line. Turn to your person next to you, touch them real quick and say, get your priorities straight. Yeah. 
Matter of fact, turn the other one and say, tighten up. There it is. I had to fit it in somehow. Tighten up. Why? Get, get your priorities straight. That's what my mom used to always tell me. Your priorities are out of line. Get your priorities straight. You remember, um, some of you probably are familiar with this. There was a professor one time that had a, he was in a business class, and he had this big, huge vase in front of him, and he's talking to his class to teach him a lesson about how to prioritize. And some of you have done this before. You've seen, heard this before, but hopefully this is helpful for you. Here's what he does. He, he t- takes out this large vase, and he, he puts in these really big, massive rocks. And then he asks the class, he says, is this full? And the students are like, yeah, it's full. And then he, he pulls out some smaller rocks, and he starts pouring them in all the gaps. And he's like, is it full now? And a couple of them are like, mm, he's tricking us. And then he pulls out some pebbles, and he begins to pour the pebbles in there, and it starts to fill it up. And he's like, is it full? And they're like, this is going somewhere. And then all of a sudden, he pulls out a bag of sand, and he pours it in the vase, and all of the sand fills it up. He says, is it full now? And some of them are like, yeah, it's full now. And then he pours out, it gets a big jug of water, and he pours it in the vase until it overflows. And he says, now what's the point? And then the know-it-all in class, y'all know who I'm talking about? (laughs) The know-it-all, don't look at the person next to you. The know-it-all says, what's the point? He says, you can always fit more. And the professor said, wrong. If you don't put the big rocks in first, they'll never go in. Here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. When I say to prioritize your life, this is just what I believe, okay? You have to put God first. That you have to put God first. And and let me just say this, and, and I don't mean to be mean, judgmental, don't, don't take this the wrong way, but here's what I know, that when Jesus says he wants to be the Lord of your life, what he's saying is he wants to be first, but the reality is, is if he ain't first in your life, he ain't in your life, because he won't take second place. If he isn't first on your list, he ain't making the list. That if you don't learn how to prioritize your life by putting God first, he'll probably never get in. Because all the sand and the pebbles and the everyday life and your job and your kids' 56 practices a week and the school and the time and the food. And, the, and guess what happens to God? He don't make it. So you have to put God first. Now, I know you've heard people say that before, so I just want to get practical with you. How do you do that? How is it that you actually put God first? Write this down. By giving him the first of everything. Now, I know that this is simple, but that doesn't make it easy. Amen? That the way you put God first is you give him the first of everything. What do I mean? Now, I'm talking about the principle of the tithe. Now, before you get all antsy on me and think that this is a message about money, it ain't. Because actually, I'm just going to assume the best, but a lot of times when we, we hear the word tithe, we automatically attach it to money. And though that is, part of the, that is part of what it's talking about, there's something you need to understand. That the tithe is actually more than just money. The tithe is about priority. It's about first Check this out. Leviticus 27 says this. A tithe of everything, say everything, everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. It is set apart. So if you're going to put God first, the way you do that is you give him everything first. 
It's more than just your money. That's where sometimes pastors get caught up, and I believe with good intention, but it's not about money. It's about priority. It's about saying that everything I have, if, if I'm a believer in Christ, if I'm a Christian, everything I have is his. Everything I have belongs to him. And so anything I receive, I give back to God first. So the way that we put God first in our lives is we give him everything first. Now, how do we do that? I'm going to try to continue to break it down for you. Here's one of the things that we do as a church, and you want to write this down. The way that you can put God first in your life is by giving God the first of your year. Giving God the first of your year. This is why as a church, every year you'll find out as we grow, we're only three months old. Every year we're going to give God the first of our year. How? By 21 days of prayer. It's by starting the year out and saying, God, before I do anything else, before I plan everything out, I'm going to make sure that the front of this year is to you. I'm going to give you the front of my year. I'm going to give you the front of my thoughts. I'm going to trust you with my plans this year. I'm going to trust you with my family, with my job. I'm going to give you everything at the first of the year. I'm just going to give it to you. God, whatever I have is yours. Do with, with it which, which, whatever you want. This is the, now, yeah, this is the idea of, of lordship, of going, God, you are, you're in control. You're on the throne. See, before John, before John 5, and in between John 4 and 5, like in between it, they're not in chronological order, Jesus teaches this principle in, in Matthew chapter 6. He talks to them about prayer. He talks to them about fasting. And then he says this to them. Matthew 6, 33, you're familiar with it. But seek first, say first. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. God wants to be first in your life. And we can do that by putting him first in the year. Now, I know this month is halfway gone, but it's, still, it's not too late to give God the first of your year. To participate in what we're doing as a church, 21-day challenge, where we're spending 21 days in prayer and 21 days reading through the book of John, a chapter a day. You give God the first of your year. Here's a second way. You give God the first of your month. You give him the first of your month. How? Through budgeting and scheduling. That before everything else takes your calendar, because how many of you know if you don't plan your calendar, it will plan you? If you don't plan where your money's going to go, it'll find somewhere to go. <laughs> Amen? Amen. So the way you put God first is you go at the front of my month, I'm going to put God first. I'm going to go, God, where is it? Do you, where, how, how can you use me this month? What, what do I have that, that I'm saying, God, I, I need to give to you? So you take the time to go, you know what? These are the priorities God's called me to in my life, and I'm going to schedule those things. And before my time goes everywhere or my money goes everywhere, God, I'm going to give you the first of my month. Here's the third way. Give God the first of your week. Guess what? You already did that one because you're here. Come on now. Give yourself a hand. That's right. See, you already, you already did one of the application points. By giving God the first of your week. How's that? That's on a Sunday. That's why we do church on Sunday. We do it at the front of the week because we're saying before we ever start the rest of the week, God, we're going to give you this week. I'm going to prioritize you by showing up to the first of the week. I'm going to show up to a gathering to worship you for who you are and say, God, will you change me?
to give God the first of your week. And then the last one is this, to give God the first of your day. So first of your year, first of the month, first of your week, and the first of your day. How? Well, we do this, we, we, I call it this, I call it first and ten. Football analogies, y'all, I'm sorry. Tighten up. First and ten, what does that mean? Before you get out of bed, before you pick up your phone and scroll on Instagram and start comparing your life to everybody else and how your life sucks and theirs is better and all of that, before you do all that, open up the Word of God, open up the book of John, and I can promise you this. If you'll just put it on audio, some of you are like, I don't like reading. That's fine. Let the old man read to you. It's good. Hit play. And the whole chapter will get read to you in less than five minutes. I timed it. So spend the first part of your day and say, God, I'm going to spend the first five minutes in your word and the, first, the next five minutes in prayer. And before you ever get out of bed, before you ever do anything else, say, God, I'm going to go first and ten. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to give you the first of my day. We can't stop having hope and repenting from our past, prioritizing our lives. And here's number four. We can't stop expecting God to bless the rest. Now, this is key. Because here's the deal. When you look at Matthew chapter 6 and you hear what he's saying, he's saying, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and then he gives you a promise. And all of these things will be added to you as well. Now, what is he talking about? Right before that, he says, don't worry about your life. What you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear. For your heavenly father knows that you have those needs and will give them to you. So here's what I'm saying. I, I promise you, just, I, I want you to, you can test me on this. Okay, you can test me, you can challenge me. If you will decide today that you're gonna not stop, if you're gonna decide and go, you know what, I'm gonna make a decision today that no matter what happens over the next year, I'm gonna believe that there is hope for my future. And I'm gonna every day wake up and say, you know what, I'm gonna turn away from my past. I'm not gonna go down the path that caused me to keep falling in the daggum hole. And if you will decide, you know what, God, I am going to put you first in everything. I can promise you, you can expect him to bless the rest. Because there's something about priority that it communicates. Husbands, you know this. If you go to the gym, you go to the work, and you hang out with your boys, but if you don't hang out with your wife, do you know what happens? Couch. That's what happens. <laughs> priority. It's about giving God your, your first and your best. And so you can expect him to bless the rest. Now, I'm not saying there's not work involved. I'm not saying that there aren't some things maybe that God is going, hey, you need to do this consistently. But what I am saying is what Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow worry about itself. Do you know who's in control? God is. He says, listen, you can trust me with your life. You can trust me to provide the needs for you. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to get a new Lamborghini next week. The promise isn't for a problem-free life. Every blessing, there's a burden. It doesn't mean that you won't go through some things. In John 15, that talks, that, the process is called pruning. Pruning ain't fun, but pruning is necessary in order for you to grow. So you'll, you'll go through some things, but you need to understand that if you will give God your life, and give God first everything that he will bless the rest, that he will provide for you. Now, I'm not preaching some like false theology here where if you do this, God does this. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, though, is that there is a blessing attached to obedience. 
that if you will remain in him, you will stay connected to the vine. You can expect to grow in your faith. Why? Because you're connected to the right source. And I think sometimes what we do is we trust the resources from this world to fill us up and give us our needs. And God's going, listen, the resources are great, but don't, don't neglect being connected to the right source. Let me tell you this, and I'll be out of your way. You can go to O'Charlie's and eat your chicken tenders and fries or whatever you get. Did you know right now, you know how I know this to be true? Because you are an answered prayer. This time last year, at the front of when I decided we were going to plant this church in Gallatin, if you look back on our Instagram a year ago, you'll see that we did 21 days of prayer. And, and in our staff office, there's this, there's this big banner that has a, a love one on it. And on that banner was a list of hundreds of names that we wrote down to begin to pray for. That was before we ever had building, a budget. We didn't know what the heck we were doing. All, I, all we did, you know what, God, before we do anything else, we're just going to pray. Did you know that you are an answer to prayer? That you are sitting in the middle of a blessing right now. Do you know why I believe that is? It's because we go, God, we don't have any other agenda but you. God, we're just going to put you first. And trust that you're going to bless the rest. We, we didn't, we weren't searching out a permanent building to get in. <laughs> we didn't know, we didn't have a, this clear 2019 vision where we had all the plans, whatever. I don't know if you know this, but your plans and God's plan don't always line up, but his are always better. Like y'all, you're sitting in the middle, as some people would call, you're sitting in the middle of a miracle. Because there were a group of people that said, you know what? We're not just going to try to fix Gallatin or change Gallatin. We're just going to commit to serve Gallatin and trust that God will change Gallatin. We're just going to love people. It's why we do 21 days of prayer. We're going, God, we want to give you the first of our year. It's why over the next couple of months, you're going to learn about opportunities to make a difference. So when I talk to you about like having priorities, our church has priorities. And they're really simple. So if you're new here, this is just an inside thing. Like, it's really simple. Here's why we exist. We are here to help you follow Jesus, find community, discover your purpose so you can make a difference. It's that simple. Now, how, how do we do that? Priority. How, how do we do that? We do that by one, having a gathering like this. That's how we want to help you follow Jesus. And in just a second, for some of you, I'm going to give you the opportunity to make a decision to follow Jesus for the first time. That's the goal of everything we do, by the way. I want people to know Jesus. I'm an evangelist at heart. But following Jesus is a process that you continue. So the goal for today is that you would walk out of here with some things that you can apply to your life so you can take your steps forward in Jesus. That you'll grow, that you'll continue to follow him. So we do that by the gathering. The way we help you find community is what we do is called groups. Why? Because listen, life change can happen in an instant, but growth happens over time. And the, and the best context for growth is in the context of community. That the way you grow and the way that you were healed, as James says, is when you confess your sin to one another. That's why we do groups that are going to be launching in February. The other thing we do is generations. It's a priority. Why, we we want to make a priority for kids ministry, a priority for next gen, a priority for youth ministry. But the word is generations because we believe that every generation has a purpose. And so we want to help you connect to your purpose. Believe that God created you for something greater than yourself. 
That's why once a month we're having Connect Lunch. This, like, this, this month coming up, February the 2nd, you can get connected to this church. It's called Growth Track. We're gonna make sure that you understand how to follow Jesus, find community, discover your purpose. Why? So you can make a difference. How do we do that? Through good. Four Gs. Gathering, groups, generations, good. What is good? Good is serving. God gave you gifts to be used to build his kingdom, to edify the body of Christ. Through the dream team, that's what, you, that's what we call them now, they're the dream team. They're the ones making the dream a reality and so they're the ones serving in the parking lot when you get here. They're the ones right now that are taking some care of your kids and teaching them about Jesus, not just playing some church games so that you can actually follow Jesus as well. That's why we do what we do, it's real simple. That's our priority. We don't do a bunch of programs. We do those four things and our, our goal is to do them with excellence. And so I just wonder if the reason why some of you don't ever feel like you're taking steps forward is because you haven't prioritized your life in such a way, you're trying to do way, way, way too much and you're spreading yourself way, way, way too thin. God's just asking you today, do you wanna get well? Do you wanna get better? Put me first and I'll bless the rest. And so right now I would love to pray for you. And maybe today you haven't given your life to Christ yet. You haven't put him first. You haven't made him Lord of your life. I wanna give you the opportunity to do that. But then I just wanna challenge the rest of you to not stop having hope for the future. You don't gotta make a bunch of resolutions. That's fine. But you gotta believe that you have a God who loves you and is greater than any circumstance that you have. That he can overcome it. And that he can change you from the inside out. You can't stop repenting from your past. You can't stop turning away. You can't stop prioritizing the things that matter most. Put God first. Then your, then your spouse, if you have one, then your family, then your job, but, but prioritize your life and expect God to bless the rest. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true. So right now, God, I, I just, I pray that you would do the work only you can do. God, that the way to experience healing, the way to experience freedom, the way to be set free from our sin isn't by doing. It's about receiving your grace that we did not deserve. But God was rich in mercy that he didn't count his sins against us, but sent his one and only son to die on the cross for you and for I. And so today, if you would like to say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make God first. I'm going to accept him as my Lord. He's going to sit on the throne of my heart. I'm going to rededicate my life. And I'll, I've kind of gotten off path and I keep falling in this dark hole. And today I want to, I want a fresh start. I want to start over. And God, will you just come in and save me? Will you come in and change me from the inside out? And so right now, I would love for all of us to pray that prayer together out loud for the benefit of those who are coming to Christ. If you would pray this with me, Heavenly Father, we love you. We need your grace. I believe that you died on the cross for me, that you resurrected so that I can be forgiven and set free. I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, will you just raise your hand up really quick? We'd love to just celebrate you. Come on. Come on. Amen. 
church, will you just stand up right now? We're gonna celebrate. We're gonna worship the God who loves us and saves us. We put your hands together for everyone who made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. I hope it encouraged you. We would love the opportunity to pray for you. Send an email to info at renovation.church. And if you would like to partner with us financially and help us reach people with the message of Jesus, you can do so at renovation.church give. Have a great day.